Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that God's simple truths are worth the wait. You see, all God has to do is hear your petition one time. He doesn't forget. Now, sometimes He will not answer our prayers. We're going to see with Zacharias because for His purposes. But delays don't mean denials. And at other times, it's just not the will of God. It's not what's best for us. And He's sovereign over that. That's the God we serve. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Despite the fact that most believers accept the understanding that God sometimes works in mysterious ways, when God chooses for us to wait upon Him, that seems to add additional anxiety to the mix. And in today's Simple Truth study from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, Pastor Xavier illustrates how, when God chose to break a 400-year silence, He delivered a message not only worth the wait, but He did so in a most unexpected way. Let's listen. The message entitled, God's Silence is Broken. Remember, Malachi closed with a curse, the Old Testament. But now the New Testament opens with a blessed hope the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Gabriel announces Zacharias, the birth of his son John. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 5 to 25. You have the priesthood of Zacharias, verse 5 through 10. Secondly, we have the prophecy to Zacharias, 11 through 20. And thirdly, the people and Zacharias in 21 to 25. The priesthood of Zacharias is the starting point. The particular time in history was during the time of Herod, we are told. There are many Herods in scriptures you can get confused. This one is Herod the Great, a very evil man, and he lived in an evil time in history. During this time, things were bad politically in Rome with him as the king of Judea, as we'll see. He was a man who was paranoid. He was afraid people were always going to take his kingdom from him to such an extent that he killed even his wife and many of his sons. There was a saying that it was safer to be Herod's pig than his sons because of the likeness of the play on words. (laughs) He ordered the murder of the infant children also at the time of the birth of Jesus in Matthew 2.16 when the Magi's came to him and said the king of the Jews had been born. Where was he? Evil man. Now, notice the person of Zacharias and his wife then are introduced to us in verse 5 also. He was a priest of Israel, and his name is Zacharias. Notice he was married. His wife was also of the priestly line after the order of Aaron, the high priest, uh, the brother of Moses. And her name, Elizabeth, means his oath, identified with the promises of God. All priests had to be married preferably to the priestly line, and certainly to a virgin. They couldn't marry a non-virgin or a divorced woman. Leviticus 21, 14. These were the men who did the service of God in the temple, the holy place, the holy of holy, the high priest, once a year, and that after many washings and sacrifices. Zacharias and Elizabeth had no heir to pass on their name. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. 
The word bud marks the sharp contrast between their confidence standing before God and their shame before man. Barrenness was considered to be brought about by God, therefore being in disfavor with God in the culture. We're going to see that that was not the case regarding this couple. Notice secondly, we have the prophecy to Zechariah 11 through 20. In 11 and 12, the prophetic proclamation of Zechariah by the angel is given to us. The priest Zacharias noticed, saw the angel, and he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. Now notice in 13 and 14, we have the peaceful proclamation to Zacharias by the angel. He had brought good news to him. His prayer had been heard. You see, all God has to do is hear your petition one time. He doesn't forget. Now sometimes he will not answer our prayers we're going to see with Zacharias before his purposes. But delays don't mean denials. Then at other times as we've been studying James, we find out that God does deny us sometimes because we ask in the wrong intent and for the wrong purposes. And at other times, it's just not the will of God. It's not what's best for us. And he's sovereign over that. 1 Peter 3, 12, quoting Psalm 34, 15, says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. You can come before God at 6 in the morning, at 3 in the morning, at 6 in the evening. It doesn't matter. Heaven's never closed. That's the God we serve. The prayer regarded the barrenness of his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth would bear him a son. Zacharias was commanded to call his name John. So the prophetic announcement, you're going to have a son, and the name John means the grace of Yahweh. What an incredible name. The priest here, Zacharias, would have joy and gladness, notice verse 14, and many would rejoice at the birth of John. John the Baptist would be cousin to Jesus, six months older. John, Luke gives us information that the other Gospels don't give us, synoptic, Matthew and Mark. He goes way back earlier. He begins with eyewitnesses, and, 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 and he talks to people and everything else, and, and he goes nine months before John's even born. That's where he begins the gospel. Now, if you put all three names together, Zacharias means Yahweh remembers. Elizabeth means his oath or promise. John means the grace of Yahweh. God had not forgotten his oath to his people about sending Messiah, so he announces the birth of the forerunner of Messiah, who would proclaim the age of grace. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That message has never changed, ladies and gentlemen. And don't you let any pastor ever change it. And when they do, get up and walk out. The prophetic particulars about the call and ministry of John by the angel are given in 15 through 17. John would be great in the sight of the Lord, verse 15, notice. Jesus said he was greater than all the prophets before him as we move on in the Gospel of Luke. You stop and think about that. John never did one miracle. Do you realize that? And he was greater than all the Old Testament prophets. Why? Because he was the forerunner. He introduces the New Testament. He is cousin of Jesus and the forerunner of the Messiah who would fulfill 
the promises of God for the first coming. In fact, Jesus said that the least in this age of grace would be greater than John in Luke 7, 28. You are greater than John in the age of grace. Notice John would not drink wine or strong drink. He would be a Nazarite from birth, like Samson, then Samuel. According to the book of Numbers, in chapter 6, you have all the requirements there. He would not cut his hair or eat of the vine or drink of the vine. And notice John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is a little different. In the Old Testament, individuals were filled with the Spirit for a particular task. Kings, priests, prophets, and men who were called to special tasks like the building of the tabernacle, Abihu and Ahijah, them. And they made all the furnishings. But now in the New Testament, every person is filled with the Spirit of God when they're born again. John would be filled from his mother's womb. In fact, as we move on, when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth and she enters the room, John the Baptist does a backflip in the womb of Elizabeth. He leaped. Now, John would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God in verse 16. What a great time. What great news. The implication being that many of the parents had turned away from God at this point. They had failed to communicate to their children their faith and the word of God according to Deuteronomy. John would go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children in verse 17. Fulfilling the short-term prophecy of Elijah. The long-term fulfillment would be during the Great Tribulation, Revelation 11. And by the way, he's quoting Malachi 4, 5 through 6. The prophecy is a dual prophecy. In fact, Jesus was asked, and he said to his disciples, Elijah had come, and referring to John the Baptist, it's a twofold prophecy in Matthew 17, 12 through 13, and in Mark 9, 12. So literally, Elijah will come during the Great Tribulation. He'll be one of the two witnesses. But he came in the power and the spirit of Elijah, short term, long term. Then notice in 17, John would turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. The proclamation would be repentance through the gospel. The product would be the new birth. You must be born again, Nicodemus, or you will never enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Now, who are you going to believe? Some Ph.D. professor or the words of Jesus? Now, many in the emergent church says you can have a God experience without being born again. You get an F in the subject of Bible. John would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John would announce the coming of Messiah, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world in John 129. John plainly told the people, I'm not Messiah. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he says, for all flesh will be saved. He's the only one that quotes that part. Matthew doesn't. Mark doesn't. Isaiah 40, verse 3 through 5. We'll see it when we get to Luke 3, 4 through 6. The note is the prophetic personal sign to Zacharias is given by the angel. In 18 through 20. In verse 18, the priest Zacharias stated his doubt. 
in view of him and his wife. Their old age. He didn't understand how. How shall I know this? This was looking to their own abilities. He says, for I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Zechariah had forgotten the most important factor of the equation. And you and I often do. Divine intervention. Explain to me what you're doing here if there hasn't been divine intervention. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're here by divine intervention. Yet he didn't force you. But he prompted you and you chose to come. But it's divine intervention. The priest Zacharias was reproved by Gabriel. Don't miss this. The angel reminded Zacharias of his privileged position before God. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Can you imagine the honor, the privilege? And I mean, he's bringing the direct word from the Father. Gabriel means man of God. The angel Gabriel reminded Zacharias of his mission and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tithings. The same root word is for the gospel, good news. We get our word evangelize or evangelism. The pre-Zacharias was castigated here by the angel Gabriel. Now, it's plain here that he doubted. The angel says that. He would lose the ability to speak. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. The fulfillment will be in verse 62 to 63. The first two chapters, these chapters are long. We get stuff that we don't get in other Gospels. He was given the reason. Here it is clear. Because you did not believe my words. Now, what is that we don't understand? (laughs) Simple. He would witness the prophecy come to pass even though he did not believe it, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Many in the Old Testament received signs when they requested it from God without any punishment or chastisement because it was not an unbelief. God alone knows the heart if it's belief or unbelief. Here he tells us it was unbelief. Abraham was given a sign. Gideon, Hezekiah, none of them were chastened because it was an unbelief. In fact, Ezekiel was given a similar sign of muteness. If you remember when we studied Ezekiel, because the false prophet was saying, ah, you know, we're not going to go into captivity. Everyone's going to come back to Jerusalem. And in Ezekiel 24, 24 through 27, it says, Thus Ezekiel is a sign to you, according to all that he has done, you shall do. And when this comes, you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh Elohim. And you, son of man, that's Ezekiel, Will it not be in the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy, their glory, their desire for their eyes, that none which they set their minds, their sons and their daughters, on that day one who escapes will come to you to let you hear it with your ears. On that day your mouth will be open to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus you will be assigned to them and they will know that I am the Lord Yahweh. The false prophets were saying, no, we're, we're not going to get captivity. Everybody's going to come back. And God says to Ezekiel, 
when Jerusalem falls for the third time, in 486, I'm going to send a messenger, and then your mouth is going to be open, and that's the confirmation. Wow. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1 tells us. And then in verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. Faith. His word. Faith must always point me back to the revelation of God's word. Not my emotions, not my feelings, not my circumstances, not my intellect. The prophecy to Zechariah was for the future birth of John the Baptist. Notice thirdly, the people in Zechariah 21 through 25. In 21 and 22, the people were completely oblivious to what had taken place with Zechariah and the angel Gabriel. The people waited for Zechariah, and they, like all other times, and they were waiting for the benediction. So when he came out, he was says, the Lord bless you, the Lord, you know, face shine upon you. They're waiting for that benediction. And the people marveled that he lingered so long in the temple, and they began to wonder if, why he was taking so long, and they were perplexed as he lingered there, perhaps thinking maybe that God had struck him dead. We don't know. And in 22, the people recognized Zacharias had a supernatural revelation as he stepped out. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. No blessing. They perceived he had seen a vision in the temple. A vision is while you're awake. A dream is while you're asleep. Now, he beckoned to them, but he remained silent. Couldn't speak. And then in 23 to 25, it's almost like it's over. The priest Zacharias saw the word of Gabriel come to pass completely as he's going to go back home as he finishes his course. He completed his service in 23 despite his handicap of not speaking. He fulfilled his week and he departed home. And in 24, he witnessed the prophecy come to pass. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself for five months. I imagine you're 60, 70 years old, and how do you tell your neighbor you're pregnant? You get kind of, uh, guess what? <laughs> I killed a rabbit. <laughs> in 25, her personal reproach was removed by God. Now listen carefully. Thus the Lord has dealt with me. This is her own confession. In the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach, here's the key, among people. There was no reproach with or before God, only in the minds of the people. It is so easy for us, and we're so prone as sinners, when something maybe perhaps happens to a person's life and it's tragic, we say, wow, they must have done something wrong. Now, it could be. But if I don't know that to be a fact, then I need to shut up and to pray for them. At other times, I know that this person has brought this stuff on. I say, you know, pray for him. He's made some bad decisions, and, you know, this is things that he has to go through. But when that isn't the fact and God is dealing in a very difficult way with people to do something incredible in their lives, 
God help me that I would say, well, you know, I knew they weren't committed. I don't know. I have to let time run. A.W. Tozer again says, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son made of a woman under the law, Galatians 4, 4, right on time. Now, what do you think God's late for in your life? Well, what do you think that he has forgotten about? We don't have to depend on visions and dreams for God to speak to us today. Though God can speak to us, but it will never contradict the word of God or alter it. And if you believe it's of God, then you go to God because there's no gift of interpreting visions or dreams in the New Testament. So you go to God. Maybe you just had bad pizza the night before. But if it's God, it'll be along with the word. It won't contradict, won't add, won't take away. Real simple. He speaks to us through his word, the plumb line. He declares to us by his Holy Spirit and directs us because it's one with his word. So many people in the church today running with visions, dreams, this, that, or the, or the emergent experience or whatever it may be, and looking to being entertained, mystical intellectualism today, embracing much of the new age and the cult, contemplative prayer, emptying your mind. That's emergent practice. Let your service be complete to God, regardless of whatever your reproach may be. God is able to use it for his purpose and your glory, as well as his, first of all. You will see God bless you. You will see God honor his word above his name. You will experience the word in a way that it will transform you and make you less than you and more like him. John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. Great principle. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we might walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 says, when you look at all this and you look at the greatness of God and the goodness of God and, and the gospel and the power of God's word, I think Paul sums it up in a nutshell. Listen to him in Romans eleven thirty three through 36. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord Yahweh or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Who are we? What can we say? What should be our response? To put our face to the ground and to cry out to God to have his way with us like never before. The people in Zechariah witness in their lives the prophecy come to pass. Gabriel announced to Zechariah the birth of his son, John, in this threefold movement of the passage. The priesthood of Zechariah was for present service. The prophecy to Zechariah was for the future birth of John the Baptist. And the people in Zechariah witness in their life the prophecy come to pass. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Pastor Xavier Reese.
with the challenge to put into service God's call on your life, today on Simple Truths. And you can request a copy of this thought-provoking message titled, God's Silence is Broken, including everything we heard both today and last time. Pick up a copy on CD for yourself or a friend for only $4. Now, the title to ask for once again is, God's Silence is Broken. Make your request by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Eyewitness news, fair and balanced news, all the news that's fit to print. The business of delivering news has become big business. Next time, we'll learn God's way of communicating the good news. Stay tuned. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com